This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 370 of the Yellow Hour Pod. I'm your host Stefan Mutzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's mammoth task to overcome arguably the best team in the world right now in the Champions League quarterfinal. To discuss this tie, I'm later joined by Matthias Zuck, my partner in crime, but now here I have a guest. You can hear him on the Blue Moon podcast, David Mooney. Hello and welcome to the show. How are you doing? And this is weird because we're on Zoom right now and we can actually see each other. So I, I, <laughs> I have an audience watching you do the intro that's uh, completely uh, uh, uncalled and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous. But uh, yeah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, oh, good. Thank you very much. Don't be nervous uh, because I look like this. So, I mean, <laughs> listeners can't see, but I, my hair is like nine miles long at the moment and I just look ridiculous. So uh, don't don't be nervous at all. No, you look you look just <laughs> fine. I wouldn't even know how, how, how you look uh, uh, when you bring your A game because I assume that's just it. Uh, you, uh, you look, no, this is, this you, is you about terrific. my DRE game at the minute, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in my basement wearing a hoodie, um, but uh, luckily no one can see that either. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, uh, let's have a quick transition now to the upcoming game. Uh, obviously, Manchester City are unbeaten in the Champions League. They have one draw and uh, the last game in the round of 16 was against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think that happened uh, in Budapest, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah. yeah, that was uh, two very easy cruising to, to win games for uh, the what do you call them? Sky, Sky Blues, I guess. Uh, yeah, we we don't really we don't really do that. It's it's yeah. it's just City. We don't. Yeah, we right. we don't. We, for, we are for, for the, the Blues are kind of Chelsea. Yeah, citizens is not uh, City fans don't say citizens. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a very uh, that's a very club and corporate thing. Um, uh, we we kind of a, a push. We would say Blues, but it's yeah, it's. <laughs> it's just city really yeah i haven't i haven't uh really written about manchester city yet so i don't uh i don't have any uh it's hard there's there's not many when you come to write about them and obviously for editorial reasons you're not allowed to say the same thing again and again you have to check you have yeah. to have the alternate words uh city don't have that many you wouldn't you wouldn't say citizens it's good in the years where they've won the title because champions is a very nice yeah. uh substitute but it's it's always manchester city city and then a push blues or sky blues, but it's not. Yeah, it's it's not an easy, uh, not an easy feat. <laughs> so, anywho, David, how are the soon-to-be champions Manchester City doing right now? Because uh, from all I've seen and read, they are doing very well. But how well exactly it, are they doing? Yeah, it's a it's a weird kind of season, um, and I I think it's. I think it's Guardiola's answer to the problems that they had at the start of the season and for most of last season that they're playing the way they are now. Um, you go into games and, and you there's kind of two feelings that you look at the... Uh, at the results and the performance that has kind of led to that result. And everybody after the game will go, well, that was a good result and a good performance and everything was nice and calm and controlled. Um, but during the game, you can get quite nervy and quite panicky that they're, that they're not playing very well, that they've they're seen a lot of the ball and not creating too many chances. Um, and then they'll score two or three in the second half and everything will be, everything will look, perfectly fine and so you have this kind of disconnect between how you're feeling during the game which is like a bag and like even though City have been on this winning run of, of 20 odd games <laughs> or, or one defeat in 20 odd games you have this bag of nerves feeling where during the game you're going oh, they're just not playing well at all I don't I, I don't see where the goal is coming from and then they'll put a passage to, of play together where they generate a tap in at the back post and you go oh that's what they're doing they're just playing the long game they're being really patient about it and this patient city is not something that we've seen for for, for a while a lot of last season, they were doing this sort of stuff, but they were missing chance after chance. I mean, you just look at the at the Champions League exit against Lyon at the end of last season. Um, 
they they had so much more of the ball than Leon. Leon had three chances and scored them all. And City missed an open goal and hit the post a couple of times. And it just like like those sorts of things were. It was almost like Guardiola couldn't control that. And he's he's come back this season and gone right. We really need to control that. And so there was a spell in in the weekend's game where where the the possession stats came up on the on the screen, and it said uh, Leicester City zero percent, Manchester City a hundred percent for the last five <laughs> minutes, and. That's just where City are at, at the moment. They get the ball, they don't let you have it, and they Guardiola's quite happy with the way games are going because the opposition are not getting that many chances in in City's box, and that uh, and those they do. You know, you've got Diaz and, and and Stones with a little bit of Laporte in the last few months doing really well to to snuff everything out, and behind that, Edison's been playing well again this season. So they've they've a lot they've looked so much more solid than they have in recent years. So the the last kind of a couple of months of this winning run has been built on just controlling games, not battering teams into submission like they used to, not being really fast and fluid on the counter-attack. It's just been, we've got the ball, you're not getting it off us, and we'll create some chances and eventually score them. Yeah, uh, control is basically the main word whenever I think about Pep Guardiola football, even when he yeah. was at Bayern Munich and uh, really crushing Dortmund or draining basically the, the, the life out of any Bundesliga team because... Uh, in the Bundesliga, at some point, we had debates whether teams against Bayern Munich are even trying anymore. And it, it, it just because nobody really uh, had any chance at all to, to do something about their very high pressing and then the, the yeah amazing ball retention. And you're basically saying is that they're slowing down their attack a little bit and keeping the ball a little longer to maybe uh, create that uh, bigger or higher percentage chance. In, in, yeah, in, they, instead uh, of firing a little bit more often, or or how would you describe their their adjustment? Let's say to to problems they have. Yeah, I I I'd go with that. I think the um, people think of the classic City Guardiola side as that one that had Sane uh, on the left, Aguero through the middle, and Sterling on the right. And what what you'd see so often with that team is they they would draw the opposition out. They then suddenly find that there's a pass on in behind, and they put it in behind for one of those three to run onto. And suddenly they're on this counter attack where everything is so it feels so fast and fluid. Um, and it almost feels this season like Guardiola's looking at those options and going, "Don't play that that risky percentage pass because what happens is we lose the ball as a transition, and the other team get a, a chance to kind of get in behind us." So make the safer pass because at some point we will draw somebody out of position that will allow somebody to get in behind and, and get that higher percentage uh, chance, as you say. Um, and so I've, I've, I've not kind of thought through the number of go- the way that goals have been scored this season, um, but it feels like that that kind of work it to the byline and create a tapping goal that City were doing in, in 17, 18 isn't really the sort of uh, sort of goal they go for at the moment. It tends to be that that kind of consistent pressure on the defence, keep the ball inside the opposition third for you know good two three minutes at a time, and just work those openings to the point where eventually somebody will be free in the box where you can get the ball to the feet and they can get a shot away. And that's I mean that that's how Mendy opened the scoring against Leicester. It's uh, I mean there was the brilliant De Bruyne through pass for uh, for Jesus and Sterling for the second goal against Leicester, but uh, but still. That was one of the few kind of counter-attacking chances that 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 City had had. Normally, at the minute, they just keep the ball and they they kind of press, they they kind of kill the opposition with possession. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what Dortmund tried to do at the beginning of the season as well, especially uh, uh, under Lucien Favre. That was sort of the plan, basically, to have a very uh, serene approach and and try to keep the ball for as long as possible. And I think the the main word we've heard at every press conference was patience. Um, and obviously for Dortmund that didn't work out so well um, just because their ball retention just wasn't good enough they don't have the players yeah. to necessarily do that um, now obviously uh, the most similar team to Manchester City in the Bundesliga is Bayern Munich and uh, Dortmund recently played them um, it was a 4-2 loss in the end uh, Dortmund had two very early goals uh, thanks to Erling Haaland uh, on the counter-attack and Dortmund came out all guns blazing but uh, right after they scored the second one they sort of um, uh, collapsed and were sort of almost content just defending their own area and uh, it worked out yeah I don't I would I would say quite well for uh, 
a game against Bayern Munich, but in the end, they were just completely picked apart and killed. And uh, my prediction is that something similar will happen uh, against Manchester City, minus probably the part where Erling Haaland scores uh, a brace <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I've uh, basically, I, I, I try to figure out what the best way is to hurt Manchester City from a Borussia Dortmund perspective, but I'm really struggling to find a way because even the last ditch defending, when uh, there's a transition moment from Manchester City, has improved tremendously recently. So um, if if I can't find something on my... Uh, a layperson's view of Manchester City. Maybe you can uh, provide me a more in-depth look of either why Dortmund are entirely doomed or uh, where exactly Manchester City are uh, vulnerable. Well, th this is the interesting thing um, because I'm I'm really nervous about this game with <laughs> Dortmund as uh, as I, I don't know I don't know if Dortmund fans would expect that I don't know. Um, well, but I mean, I, I'm, uh, the. Uh, Infamous Manchester City Champions League history might play a part in. <laughs> well, in your yeah, I mean, there, there the is that. Um, there is that. I, I think the the other side of it is, uh, you, you know, when we look at, at somebody like Haaland from England, uh, what we see is somebody who punishes teams when they make a mistake, and that's it. And while City haven't made many mistakes, like it, it almost feels like Haaland can get on the ball anywhere in in the final third, and suddenly it's in your net for for no real reason other than he's really good. So that that's a constant worry, and, and the fact that you know away goals come into play. I mean that. City, City's exits in the Champions League under Guardiola have um, they've they've been each one's been different and not normal. Um, <laughs> like the, the first one against Monaco was was ridiculous. The 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 five three at the Etihad um, is genuinely to this day the best game of football that I've ever seen, and like it had everything that game. Uh, there was superb finishes, there was defensive errors, there was a a, a blatant penalty not given uh there was you know just ridiculous goals left right and center it was end-to-end -end all game and if that's the type of game that Dortmund bring then City might be in trouble because they're because the away goals rule has bitten them in this sense before um then you, you look at the next season they went out to Liverpool where Guardiola tried something daft he put Ilkay Gundogan on the uh left uh, on the right flank uh, to try and cover the Liverpool counter-attack but also give City an extra body in midfield and what it did was just allow Salah and Mane to run in behind <laughs> consistently time and time again and so before you know it half an hour's gone and the 3-0 down and so that was that was game over done and dusted and then uh, the next season he tried like he, they, were, they were in that mammoth uh, title running with uh, with Liverpool for, for the 18-19 title and he looked at the schedule and there was like 16 games left. And that first leg against Tottenham was the one where he went, that's the only one that we can afford to lose because we have the second leg to be able to rescue it. So what we'll do is we'll go there, we'll kill the game, be really, really boring and do nothing. And if we win, great. If we draw, okay. If we lose, you know, not a, it's not a disaster as long as it's not a big defeat. Uh, and they lost it 1-0 and missed a penalty. So they didn't have the chance to, to have the away goal. And so that meant for the second leg, he had to kind of go, well, let's have some chaos and opened up the floodgates. And suddenly before they knew it, they were two one down after 20 minutes and Tottenham had two away goals and City had a mountain to climb. Didn't happen again that night. And then Leon last season was just emblematic of the problems of last season. Have a lot of the ball, don't do much with it and concede the opposition's only chance. So each one has had a different problem to it. So I'm kind of wondering what what this what the problem is going to be this year. Um because they've looked really good in the Champions League. So I don't know I like I I it could be absolutely anything that goes wrong in this one and that's possibly where my fear comes from. And as for how you kind of get to City and and how you how you make them how you, how you beat them. Um I don't really know at the moment because the only example that we've got of, of City be, of City being beaten in 2021 is uh, Manchester United at the Etihad. And I can't for the life of me believe that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, um, is a tactical master, mastermind that has come up with a, form, a, a formula for beating Guardiola's City. But yet the evidence is that he keeps doing it. So I, I don't... I, I kind of feel that the best way to, to, to get at City at the minute is to score first and score early and just knock that early rhythm because when they're not in that rhythm, it, it it becomes a bit of a problem. 
if you if you kind of sit back and and try and defend the space and and let City have the ball, it might work for an hour. But we've seen City have been very patient this season, and you know if you if they go in at nil nil at half time, they're not particularly worried because they trust the players to go out in the second half and and carry on what they're doing and and, and get the win. Um, so I, so I, I don't know. I, I think I think the best way is to take an early lead, but be very solid defensively. And I don't really know how that fits with Dortmund this season. Yeah, not not very well, I'm afraid. So uh, it's it, it's kind of a bit sad because obviously you would hope for Dortmund to be on a, on a higher level, uh, just due to the team they have. Uh, it's a shame that Jane Sancho is out injured and uh, Yusuf Amokoko. Um, who obviously uh, is still very young but uh, could be of help. Uh, he was recently announced to be out for the season as well. Um, so that's uh, a shame that one of the, the best Dortmund players uh, that they have and one of the the one they basically most need to create chances and uh, to, to get Erling Haaland really going um, is, is out missing. Uh, maybe he'll make the second leg, but I honestly do not know. Um, but yeah, you just basically just gave a very elaborate way of saying my team is in control of everything apart from luck and randomness that the football game and it's a very low scoring game. So it always provides that. But uh, yeah, you would basically have a freak accident uh, in order to, to lose this. Meanwhile, Dortmund basically need to be at 100% and do everything right uh, for once, uh, which which also is- would be a freak accident in a way. There is a there is a third option there though, and that is that Guardiola spent the last kind of three four weeks looking at this tie and has seen something in the way that Dortmund play that he really doesn't like, and he tries to do something that 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 to, to combat it. And suddenly you end up with City playing a back three, a back four that becomes a back three in certain situations, and then this player moves there or this this happens, and it just doesn't work. And City look a bit disjointed because <laughs> that has happened in the Champions League in the past as well. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert! I've already uh, pre-recorded the second segment with my. Uh uh, co-host Matthias and I already said uh, <laughs> my prediction that even if Pep Guardiola overthinks this one, he's still gonna come out on top. So uh, yeah, I I don't I don't really count this third option either. So um, let's talk a little bit, obviously, about uh, Ilka Gönouan, uh, Gelsenkirchen born yet a big legend in Dortmund because of uh, yeah his uh, major contributions to Borussia Dortmund during their second title winning season uh, under Klopp and obviously uh, with the cup and he was the sole scorer for the black and yellows in the Champions League final um, so that's some experience he obviously has uh, more of than Manchester City uh, as, a, as a club I guess um, when, when was the last time Manchester City won a European title I think I read it was like 51 years ago so it's been yeah, a while. Um, they, they won the Cup Winners' Cup in uh, 17 I think it was. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's quite a while ago, yeah. Yeah. Before uh, I was born, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Ilkay Gunuan, I think, is one of the uh, key pieces in that Manchester City team. And right now, I think in this calendar year, is that correct? He has scored the most goals for uh, Manchester So uh, how is he doing and why is he so darn good? Um, it's, it's, it's really odd, uh, because like he's been talking recently about, um, about his form and the question that keeps getting put to him is you're in the best form that you've been in at City. So, you know, what's the driving force behind it? And his answer has always been, I don't think I am. I think my, I actually think my best form was in 2018 and 2019 when, when I, when I was asked to play this role, what that Fernandinho was playing. And it kind of, it's kind of a light switch moment where, Gundogan in City's team hasn't had a, a kind of a set role and a set job for, for his entire time at the club. He's been moved around a lot. And whatever job he's been asked to do, other than that Liverpool Champions League game where he was asked <laughs> to play right wing and come inside, he's done really, really well. And I think part of part of the problem with that is then as fans, we look at it and go, he's a bit of a utility man, a jack of all trades, doesn't really, you know, doesn't out doesn't shine in any particular position. And so while he's good to have around, he's not one of the best players in the team. And then this season, you know, he, he started the season alongside Rodri as a, as a holding midfielder. And he was doing a lot of the, the kind of running box to box that Rodri wasn't able to do. And City were looking a little bit dull and uninspired because Rodri hadn't quite kind of got the role of the double pivot on his own uh, with, with alongside Gundogan working out. As soon as Rodri's moved on his own in that in, in that holding role and, and Gundogan's pushed a bit further forward alongside De Bruyne, 
if a Gundogan's finding the net every every other week, and he's you know he's he's finding those through balls, and he knows when to release it. There's 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 something that I only the word that I learned earlier from my athletic colleague Sam Lee um, uh, <laughs> earlier in the season was was Pauser, uh, which which Gundogan seems to understand and know, and that's that's when he's got the ball at his feet, he knows when to hold it for a split second longer to know when the pass needs to be delivered so that it plays somebody in, in good time. Um, so he knows, like, I sound like the, uh, what's that new order song? You've got to, you've got to hold and give and, 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 uh, and play at the right time. Um, it, it, it sounds like that, but it's, that's exactly what he's doing. He knows when to release the ball and his, his delivery of pass more often than not is pretty, pretty damn good. He's, he's spot on most of the time. And so with that combined with knowing when to drift into the box and when to, when to kind of hang on the edge of the area, be that, be that other option. He's, he's proving to be a really, really influential player for city this season. And he's, he's popping up with goals. He's popping up with assists. And that is what people take notice of. And it's only kind of looking in retrospect to his, previous seasons that you think actually he was he was pretty good in those seasons as well it's just that the job he was being asked to do is a different one to the one he's doing now so uh is he going to be a starter uh, against Dortmund on Tuesday and if uh, if he is uh, in, in which position are, are we going to find him and where uh, I think is, it, is that going to be in in uh, uh, in relation to Kevin De Bruyne I think he will start um, because I, I think if you were to, I think these are the sorts of games where Guardiola has to pick his pick the team that is either most in form or the ones that he he sees as his best players for this season. Um, and Gundogan is is both most in form and one of the best players of the season. So I think he plays, and I think he has to start kind of kind of in the in the eight role alongside De Bruyne, um, just because. It's those two together have been when they've played together this season. They've been quite destructive for City. De Bruyne took a little bit of time to get back into his rhythm after his injury, but you know they, they've they've both had the the big contributing factors into the into the winning run. And there's no there's no doubt about it. As soon as I mean I mean it's difficult to say because City were good with De Bruyne and without De Bruyne. Um, but as soon as he's come back in and he's, he's playing well alongside Gundogan, the options City have had. To uh, to create those chances that they need, you know that they that they've had the patience to to to, uh, or that they've needed patience to create. Um, De Bruyne has been a big part of it, and I think uh, I, I think Gundogan is is part of that reason as well because he also has has had the the ability to know when to play it in behind, when to hold it, play it square to De Bruyne, or knock it wide to the wing, and it's it's just that reading of the game that they they both have gives each other the option, and I think for a game like this one where where City are are going to need to be alert and and you know not too open at the back to allow Haaland time to to get in behind and and to to cause them damage because they know. If they give up a chance, any any half chance to Haaland, then then they'll concede an away goal. Um, they they really need to be on the game, and I think those two offer that element of control that Guardiola wants, with the ability to open the game up when they when they spot the opportunity to. Yeah, uh, that's uh, obviously very interesting. When you say it's going to be more for double eight, uh, what kind of setup are we looking at? I think. Against uh, Leicester, the tunnel win was it a four-two-three-one? Is it is it going to be something like that again, or is it going to be more of a four-three-three? Uh, listen, I've given up trying to explain <laughs> what Guardiola does because like, <laughs> against Leicester, uh, it was it, it was on paper it was a four-four-two, but when you watched it, it was nothing like a four-four-two. They, they had Mendy effectively playing uh, left wing. Um, you know. Mares was was sticking wide on the right and allowing uh, De Bruyne to kind of ghost around that 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 uh, that eight role. I, I I don't know, and um, there are better people. There there are better tacticians than I have tried to explain what Guardiola does and has got have got it completely wrong. What what will happen? And I guarantee what will happen is we will see the starting lineup. What is it about an hour before kickoff? And everybody that is a City fan on Twitter will go into meltdown about the about what he's trying to do and how it's going to look. <laughs> and then when you watch it on the pitch, it'll probably make a little bit of sense and it'll take 10 minutes to bed in to kind of work out what he's doing and then it'll make sense. My 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 gut instinct is that um, we'll, we'll see... Uh, Zinchenko come back in at left back, and then Cancelo come back in at right back, and Cancelo will be the sort of right back that that plays also as a number eight. And I don't really understand how he does it and why it works, but he does, and it kind of move, all moves around. Yeah, Dortmund fans uh, have, Sto have a Stones bit of a grip on that because Rafael Guerrero as a left back does similar things. 
So at yeah. least, at least um, in that perspective, uh, Dortmund fans sort of can understand that position. Yeah, so I, I'm expecting that from Cancelo on the right-hand side. Uh, Zinchenko will then kind of tuck inside, become a back three with probably Stones and Diaz. Uh, Rodri will be the holding player unless for some reason he goes with Fernandinho again after uh, after Leicester. Um, and then after that, it's kind of take your pick from the attacking players because they they will just kind of fluidly move around and, and stretch the game as best they can. Um, I My hunch is that City will play without a striker uh, and he'll play a, the false nine system he's been playing for, for most of this season when, you know, Aguero's barely played this year. Jesus, if he does play, will probably be the, a, a sort of wide player coming inside to to add extra, extra bodies into the mix when they need it. Um, so my, my gut is that he'll go with the false nine. As for a, a, a kind of a tactical setup, I couldn't tell you. But you, you could nominally call it a four-two-three-one, but I, I I don't know. I don't know how it'll look. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you can interpret these systems uh, in quite different ways. And I mean, the the annoying part about trying to figure out what Pep Guardiola is doing that once you figured it out after like ten minutes or fifteen minutes in the game, you know, by that time he's already uh, moved on to the next system or setup or. Uh, tactical yeah. uh, ingenuity which uh, makes it very hard to to predict and i think this is uh, sort of the main worry for borussia dortmund that uh, they will have trouble to adapt to what uh, manchester city are doing because uh, uh, this is the sort of game where dortmund will just be reacting i don't think they will be uh, very proactive uh, at least in this season they have hardly done so anyway um you know back in the day when uh, dortmund really had the glory days they were a very proactive side and uh, it was uh, almost um, uh, uh, you know, irrelevant what the opponents were doing. Uh, I think Manchester City found that out themselves. I think, uh, wasn't there a group stage yeah. uh, once <laughs> where uh, you were beaten by the glorious Julian Chiba? <laughs> I think that was yeah, the one it was, lost. Uh, that, uh, that, um, uh, the, the second game of that group was was a non-event from, from memory because I think City, yeah. City had, I think they'd lost to drawn three at that point in the group and so they were they were dead and buried they couldn't they couldn't get out of the group and so I think Manchester because I remember Scott Sinclair played and when Scott Sinclair played for City he knew it was a dead <laughs> rubber because Mancini never played him uh, but the first game at the Etihad um, I'd know I'd never seen anything like it it was it was incredible the the pressure that City were under from minute one to minute ninety was was insane and the fact that they got away with a one all draw because I think it was a bit of a dodgy penalty as well right, right at the end yeah, it's, Giving away a handball, which I don't even know if it yeah. was. But I, I I seem to remember everyone in the stadium appealed for it and the referee gave it. And then afterwards we watched it on telly and was like, oh, that's a bit, mm, maybe. Maybe it wasn't a penalty, but we'll we'll take it. Yeah, um, and, was you know, if, it, where... if it wasn't for Joe Hart, then yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Dortmund uh, were very wasteful in that time. And uh, actually, there, there was uh, one of the few times where Jurgen Klopp actually made a switch from his 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3 system. I remember that Jakub Blaszczykowski yeah. played in uh, more of a midfield role than uh, than uh, on on the wing where he usually used to play. So um, yeah, uh, good times. Uh, <laughs> not <laughs> not not uh, how the current uh, events are unfolding for the black and yellows, but uh, nevertheless, uh, it's always great to be in a quarterfinal. Uh, Dortmund haven't achieved that in in quite some time either. So. Um, uh, yeah, it's obviously good for them uh, to to be in this sort of game and uh, measure themselves against. I I think you can comfortably say that Man City are the best team in the world, and I think the Champions League really is theirs to lose this season, um, which uh, they have done um, before. But let Let me tell you, they can they can lose it in quite some spectacular style as well. So uh, and, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if uh, Bayern Munich or PSG will uh, come out of. Uh, on on top and in in that game because uh, Bayern will obviously be without Lewandowski, but then uh, PSG will be without Verratti if I'm uh, not mistaken. But uh, I personally am looking forward to uh, a two-legged tie between Bayern and Man City because I think those really right now are the two best teams in Europe. And uh, well, I think Grant Wall was it on Twitter who complained a little bit about that uh, you know sort of the the best two teams should face each other in the final, but I. I my personal preference is the best two teams going up against each other in the semi-final just because you get two legs and more intrigue and drama. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, this is... 
I think one of the problems that uh, there's a there's a long history of City fans not buying into the Champions League as well, and there's there's a, there's so many reasons behind that that I could I could spend all day talking about. <laughs> the two big reasons I think are one, City have never been very good in it, so that that's never really endeared the fans to it. Uh, but second off, I think a lot of City fans see through it for what it is in the early stages, and the groups are ultimately very very boring. There's, there's no Very there's true. no getting around it. And the best ties in the Champions League, when you talk about the iconic Champions League ties of the last few years, every single one of them is a knockout tie. And if you want people to buy into the competition as uh, and to, to make it this, this wonderful thing... It should be a knockout competition from the very first round where anybody can draw anybody apart from maybe maybe putting in bars to stop teams from the same country drawing each other. And that... Uh, that that would that that provides so much more entertaining football than these group stages. But what it does is it knocks all the sponsorship opportunities and it, it cuts down the number of big games that that UEFA have to market as these th- th- this wonderful competition. So it's a completely at odds to what you want the competition to be. And yet you look at it and you watch those games and you go, God, it's, it's another Wednesday night where City have to play Shakhtar for the three hundred and fiftieth time in in the last five <laughs> years and. Like the draw for the groups is always the same. As soon as you get into pot one, the draw for the groups is always the same because unless you get drawn really early, there's so many restrictions about who can be in what group. Suddenly, the you know you're playing Shakhtar and Mönchengladbach again because that's that's the only thing that can that that can happen. Or Dinamo Zagreb come out again for for whatever reason, and then you get to the knockout fates and anybody can play anybody, and suddenly you get these wonderful ties, and that's what that, that that's that's how. You look at if City are going to win the Champions League this season, they're going to have to do it the hard way because they've got to get past Dortmund, who, as much as, as you've been self-depreciating, they are <laughs> that Dortmund is still a very good side that could do City a lot of damage in these two legs. Um, so they've got to do that. They then face if they if they pull that off, they face Bayern Munich or PSG. Both sides have a, a, a very good chance of beating City as well, and they get to the final. And I mean you're looking at Chelsea there as a team that, that they could have to face who, you know, this season under, under Tuchel have, have, have completely changed how they're, how they're playing. So it, the, the, there's the potential for City here to have five fantastic games of football. And that's what the Champions League should be about. And to get that, we've had to play, you know, six, seven games of absolute dross before it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, a, a, a Champions League final between uh, Tuchel and Pep Guardiola would be the ultimate overthink derby I, I can think of. <laughs> Because in, in Germany, we, ha- we have a word called Vertucheln, which uh, basically means um, that you overthink it so much that uh, you make really shit uh, lineup distance just like uh, Pep Guardiola did against Liverpool basically he he coined that yeah. word just uh, by by trying too hard to accommodate little uh, uh, features of of your opponent that actually ultimately don't make that big of a difference but you sort of uh yeah completely yeah. he'll do it I, i guarantee you he'll do it again um if he doesn't do it against dortmund i promise you he'll do it on the game in between dortmund we play leeds at the etihad right. and he's his his respect for for bielsa is through the roof so he'll look at that game and go well bielsa's going to do this so i need to do this but he'll know <laughs> i'll do this so bielsa will do this instead and it just honestly he'll play something ridiculous in that in that middle game be, just because of, of of the what the champions league's doing to his head <laughs> but at least that keeps you on your toes uh, as the uh, <laughs> host of the Blue Moon podcast. Uh, thank you again, David, for coming on. Uh, quick prediction. Uh, I hate these because I'm. I always. I, I always go wrong. I'm going to say. Um, I'm going to say City will edge it two one, and that away goal is going to really make me nervous. Right, right, yeah. Uh, uh, may the jinx be strong with you. <laughs> And uh, yeah, ho- hopefully uh, we'll hear more from you uh, as this type progresses. Uh, But uh, obviously, if it's like a, a five nothing shellacking uh, and it's 90 minutes of garbage time, I don't see much uh, sense of discussing this game any further. <laughs> so, <laughs> if, well, happens- if, if Dortmund co- if Dortmund come to City and absolutely batter us, then uh, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I will, I will, I'll be a no show for the other way around yeah, as well. So don't worry about enough. that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, thanks for the one and done. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, please uh, plug uh, your show or shows or whatever you want to plug. Uh, be my guest, and uh, after that, uh, it's going to be me and Matthias. Uh, having a headache of who to start against this uh, Manchester City, the citizens, the not Royal Blues, but Sky Blues. 
<laughs> yeah, well, if you want to, if you want to find me, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at David Mooney because I'm not very imaginative, uh, and the username was available. And uh, the podcast is Blue Moon Podcast, available in all the usual places. Uh, I also do the athletics. Uh, why always us with uh, Sam Lee as well? So uh, yeah, if, uh, if if you can't get enough city podcasts, then uh, then there's usually something on my Twitter feed about it. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say if you can't get enough Manchester City podcasts that's your fault not mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is true yeah uh, as always that, that, that was a there was a pleasure talking to you uh, probably more of a pleasure than actually watching the game uh, <laughs> as, as you know uh, impending doom is the episode title I've already written that down so uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's where my head is at right now anyway uh, David Mooney thank you again and now it's uh, over to Matthias and myself And now, as promised, I am joined by Matthias Zug to discuss the Champions League tie against Manchester City from Borussia Dortmund's perspective. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I am doing quite well. The sun is shining and everyone's happy. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing very well, too. The sun is shining here as well. And I am really hoping that uh, after recording this podcast, I still have a little time to go out on the football pitch myself and kick the ball around a little. Because, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous outside and I don't really want to waste too much of Easter Monday sitting uh, in the basement. But, Matthias, uh, obviously it's going to be a very difficult tie. Um, I assume you have seen the match against Eintracht Frankfurt, which we shall discuss <laughs> in the next episode in more depth. Looking at this game and looking to the next Champions League game, um, how would you as Borussia Dortmund approach this Champions League match and how much... Uh, priority would you put on it since uh, maybe you still want to rescue your Bundesliga season in one way or another maybe if it's just finishing ahead of freaking Bayer Leverkusen I mean that's a good question and yes obviously I watched the Frankfurt match uh, after which I watched baseball which wasn't <laughs> much better because the Red Sox lost oh. um, but at least it's baseball and baseball even when you lose in baseball it's relaxing so you know no complaints there <laughs> um, uh, the problem is I've also watched Manchester City this season. Ah. So, <laughs> but I did also watch them uh, lose against Manchester United. And the, the thing is, could Borussia Dortmund get a quote-unquote result out of this, i.e. a manageable loss, a draw, or a win? Yes, obviously they could. Um, will they? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know because I don't think Bruno Fernandes is playing for Borussia Dortmund yet. So, uh, you know, to have what they need is that one difference maker, and that one difference maker cannot be Erling Holland because, as we have seen in the last two Bundesliga matches, when even though obviously against Köln he scored both goals, but the if if the service to him gets dried up and nullified, then it doesn't matter how good your striker is. If he doesn't get a ball, he's not going to score. I know. Shocking and breaking news there. The difference maker is kind of the issue that Dortmund have, and I they don't they don't really have that. Um, I don't believe Jaden Sancho is going to be able to suit up for this. Um, I don't think Marcel Schmetzer is going to be available. So, you know, the question is, who's the difference maker? Yeah, Julian Schieber also not playing anymore for Borussia no, Dortmund. No, I think, again, moving Frankfurt discussion to Thursday's uh, recording, please, oh please, for all that is joyous and holy in the world, do not play Guerrero in the center of the pitch if your left-back option is Nico Schulz. <laughs> Please put Guerrero there and Dahoud in the middle. And maybe that was part, you know, obviously Terzic had some ideas, didn't quite work out. Sometimes that happens. Pep Guardiola has been known to overthink pretty much this stage of the Champions League uh, with every team that's not named Barcelona. So there is that hope that Pep overthinks things. I don't think he's going to this time because Manchester City are just better. I mean, pound for pound, player for player. 
they are a significantly better side. It's yeah, not I, even close. I, I have this lingering fear that even if he overthinks things, that uh, he still comes out on top because it just won't matter. Well, I mean, if you have Gundogan and De Bruyne, you've already... I mean, those are two absolute world-class players. I heard a discussion not too long ago. Is Thomas Müller the best German player? No, it's Ilkay Gundogan. I mean, it's not even close, in my opinion. It's Gundogan, Kors, Müller. I mean, kind of in that in that order right now, if you were going to do that kind of a ranking, they're just, they have difference makers everywhere. What Dortmund can do is, what they can't do, in my opinion, is basically hope for a counterattack and just sit deep in a low block and defend because Manchester City will tear you apart. At, At best, they're going to get a penalty because they'll just force the mistake out of you. And needless to say, Dortmund has been very gracious in giving away penalties to opponents this season. So you can't do what you did against Bayern, where even though you had a great start, you then pulled back so much, so often, and then Bayern, obviously, referees to the side, you know, just wore you down towards the end. Uh, Obviously, that tactic worked against Sevilla just Barely. I don't think it'll just barely work against Manchester City. Dortmund have to play way more on the front foot, have to be absolutely focused the entire time. Now, as to your other question, should Dortmund prioritize it? Um, I mean, you don't want to get embarrassed. Uh, I mean, at 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 worst, you really want to look like Gladbach did <laughs> in the previous round in the sense of, you know, Gladbach didn't have a chance, but they didn't get embarrassed. They gave a decent account of themselves That's really what Dortmund should do. Their goal should be to finish fifth or seventh. I don't think anybody really wants to finish in the Europa Conference League playoff spots. (laughs) Uh, Even though, now to be honest, that may not be a bad, have a slightly more competitive, quote-unquote, friendly schedule with a new manager. And I'm really curious about that competition, to be honest. But Europa League, let's finish fifth. And so the priority should be on the league and the cup, because obviously there is still an absolute possibility to oddly enough come out of this season with a trophy in the cabinet. But I, I, I don't really see Dortmund. I don't see Dortmund advancing past Manchester city. I don't see them not losing both, both legs. I'll be, I just think Manchester city, the only team I have confidence in that could beat Manchester city is the team. They're most likely going to face in the next round. And that's Bayern or PSG. I mean, those, to me, this side, Dortmund got the worst side of the bracket. Let's be honest. I mean, PSG, Bayern, Manchester City, take your pick who's going to kick you out. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I, my hope is that that Dortmund beats them up a little bit, gives a good account of for themselves. I, I think Manchester City is going to win this one relatively comfortably, unfortunately. I mean, the good news is that uh, Dortmund at least made the quarterfinal, which is uh, something they didn't achieve too many times uh, in recent past. So uh, we can celebrate that, obviously. Um, (laughs) uh, I remember myself saying naively, maybe, that uh, going up against the best team in the world, which I think Manchester City are right now, um, is a nice benchmark to really see uh, uh, how far away you are from that. But at the same time, you know... uh, FC Köln and Eintracht Frankfurt are benchmarks right now as well that Dortmund cannot <laughs> really overcome. So, um, yeah, in, in that sense, I, I have a little bit of egg on my face. But I, I think my, my point still stands because Dortmund usually tend to play a little bit better in the Champions League than in the Bundesliga. Maybe that's uh, due to the character of this team. Maybe they're a bit too arrogant or whatever um, to turn it and crank it up uh, to 100% in the Bundesliga. But, uh, yeah, show their best uh, in the uh, in the Champions League. Um, I mean, the, the tie against Sevilla was definitely a rather strong performance from Dortmund, even uh, if uh, cynics like Lars Polman would say that they had one strong half. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, I, th- I thought that uh, overcoming the Sevilla team uh, is not an easy feat. And uh, so that's... Uh, yeah, something Dortmund still can uh, take some pride in and uh, basically the positive. But uh, yeah, Manchester City is going to be a whole nother caliber. So um, who are you starting in this uh, game, Matthias, considering um, the performances of the Frankfurt game and those impressions? Who do you trust uh, 
play at the Etihad on Tuesday night? Well, I mean, I would definitely continue with the Homes Akanji pairing as central defenders. Um, I think overall Akanji gave a relatively good account of himself, given that he was out injured for so long. It's it's not that big of a deal. Uh, Nico Schultz, uh, I'll be honest, again, Frankfurt Thursday, that own goal, it's unlucky. It really could have happened to anybody, but of course it had to happen to him. The the danger is Dortmund's right backside. I think during the Frankfurt match, the commentary team see that said that Dortmund conceded 14 goals coming across Dortmund's right side. That's obviously something Pep Guardiola is going to take a close look at. Whether you start <laughs> Matteo Moray yet at that point, I think right now it's kind of a looking at matchups and matchups wise. I just, you know, don't want aren't, aren't going to stack up well. I assume Manchester City is probably going to overload that side a little bit. So that's why having an Akanji as a central defender on that right hand side, in my opinion, is what you need given his pace and overall good positioning. So I hope to see him there. I hope to see Guerrero as a left back, not Nico Schultz, because I just don't think Nico Schultz is a very good player. And uh, Guerrero will offer certain bright spark moments and playmaking moments from that position that Pep Guardiola will have to account for. And then you start Mahmoud Dahoud. I mean, no doubt Dahoud paired with Delaney and Bellingham or Chan, I would go with the three-man central midfield. I would not play 4-2-3-1. I would, I would match up, almost shadow uh, Manchester City, and I would put that kind of a steel and good pressing resistance in the center of the pitch. And then, sure, start Marco Royce. And, I mean, you're going to have to start Togan Azad because I just don't think Gio Reyna would do well in this situation. I mean, you could even consider... Putting Reina in there, Rinier, um, you know, I, I, he added some energy against Frankfurt. May as well throw him out there, and obviously Holland up top. I mean, that's that's how I would approach it. I think uh, I wouldn't put Emre Can in the back line right now unless you really had to. He's a good player, but I would prefer to see him in the center of the pitch because I think that's where he could help neutralize some of the strengths from Manchester City, because that's really where a lot of their strength comes from, from that core. So uh, the more people you have in there that'll make life very difficult for players in the center of the pitch for Manchester City, the better, in my opinion. Yeah, sorry, I just yawned. <laughs> I was going to say something. Uh, Dude, seriously? Video. Like, is that is that like a comment on my commentary? No, not at all. Right it's, 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 it's just I'm... <laughs> I'm 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 already like hmm. So we have to move over to predictions soon. Am I going to predict Dortmund losing five nothing or five one? Uh, so basically, this is where my mind is at right now. But um, let's speak real quick about the um, let's call it hazard position because uh, Torgen Hazard um against Frankfurt uh, looked not so great. Um, but there is not that much merit for Giorena you know, on the merit of himself basically playing in this position, which is why I guess you are throwing a curveball to Harnier right now. Um, it's it's a bit tricky because, um, of course, Reyna, I guess, has sort of connections to Manchester City-ish, to that conglomerate, I guess. Um, but uh, will that warrant a better performance? I have no idea, to be honest. Um, what's, what do you do on this position? Because has I really... Um, on the one hand, didn't really impress to merit a start. On the other hand, I don't know if the alternatives give you a better option right now. So, again, uh, how how would you solve that puzzle? And maybe would it help Hazard to maybe start off the bench at some point? Well, I mean, I'm not going to blame Hazard because, again, he was. it's been a very start-stop season for him due to injuries, and that'll always hurt you, especially in this really weird season we're in anyway with COVID and all that stuff. But that's – and that's why I decided, you know, maybe go in with Renier, go in with somebody who ha has a point to prove, to man uh, to, not to Manchester City, but to Real, and kind of do more and be more present – 
Azad, I think you would be doing him a disservice to start him against there. I th- I have no confidence in Gio Reyna. None. I I think his season is spent, and he's a, a sub at this point, and and not more, uh, because he just he's kind of fallen off and regressed back to his age, and that's not his fault. That's just the way it is. Um, and I don't think this is the right kind of game to start him. Hazad probably has the better mentality in games like this than Giorena. I haven't seen enough to really make that judgment, but I do feel like he can be more of a an advanced playmaking threat than anybody else in that position right now. Um, so that's that's how I would like to see it. Odds are it's going to be Togan Hazad. All right, fair enough. Um, it's uh, interesting how we have uh, yet to mention Julian Brandt at all, uh, who, you know, at least on paper should be in the discussion. Honestly, I just completely forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? Why not throw Julian Brandt out there? But the fact that I've completely forgotten about him probably says a lot. Yeah, it does so. And I think we'll talk about that subject a little bit more on Thursday. And uh, yeah, I guess it's time to leave it here now. Matthias, thanks for coming on on such a uh, a short notice. Um, It was a pleasure talking to you, even if it's uh, about a subject I don't really want to talk about. (laughs) But here we are. So um, yeah, it's prediction time. And I think I have made up my mind and uh, I'm... uh, I'm I'm even more gracious than I previously thought I was going to be, and I will say that Dortmund will lose this by five to two, the first leg, and then I don't know how the second leg will go, um, but yeah, that's going to be ninety minutes of garbage time anyway. So, uh, Matthias, what's what's your prediction? Well, I don't think it's going to be quite that much of a shellacking. I think I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say Dortmund lose three one. That's great optimism right there. Um, yeah, so 3-1, Holland scores a goal. I mean, if you look Big at shocker. the games that uh, Man City had against Gladbach, they didn't necessarily steamroll them. But uh, I I really expect Dortmund to attempt a low-block defense for the most part of this game and just get killed. You know, I, I, I wish we had a team where we could say, yeah, they don't care who Manchester City are. They are going to be out there and very courageously try to press them to shreds and then see what comes out at the other end. But that's not the Borussia Dortmund team anymore that we uh, once had. This is a whole other side which is cautious, which uh, you know reverts back around their own box and then uh, is capable of very comical mistakes. Sadly, so this is this is why I have such a negative outlook for this one. So um, yeah. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, we shall discuss the Manchester City game and the Frankfurt game uh, on Thursday and then preview the next uh, fun league match that's upon us. Uh, in the meantime, Matthias, where can people uh, send you hate mail for your uh, top three German player ranking? Well, you can watch me uh, break down and cry on Twitter uh, <laughs> at Matthias Suk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you want to find me in the fetal position, <laughs> you can do that at Stefan Botsko on Twitter as well. Uh, thanks again for uh, coming on to David Mooney and providing his expertise. You can follow all of us at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud and everywhere else where you find your podcast as they usually say and uh, yeah that should be it for now uh, as always thank you for listening until in a couple of days goodbye <laughs>